Well, we're, we're starting a brand new series today. Um, we are going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I figured we already talked about all the hardest things we could ever talk about. This one should be easy, right? As a church, that's part of who we are. We want to go after things that sometimes are difficult. I actually went with a friend. I sat down with him. I said, hey, man, how controversial do you think this, the fruits of the gifts of the Spirit are? And I was expecting, a, you know, at this point for common ground, like, we're good, man. Like, who, no one's going to even bat an eye. And he's like, man, it's one of the hardest things ever to talk about. In fact, my organization deals with that specifically when we interview people coming into this situation. So I'm like, okay, great. Uh, that's, uh, that's something good. So we're going to be talking about the fun topics of prophecy, healing, miracles, and speaking in tongues. Over the next few weeks, you have that to look forward to. So make sure that you're jumping into your scriptures and asking Jesus to inform you about these things through his word. Um, but a few things I want to do, just introductory ideas that we're going to use to frame what we're talking about here. The first question I think needed to be maybe thrown up at the, at the very beginning was, why are we talking about this? And my first answer is, one, that it's in Scripture, right? We'll start with that. But two, we're seeing some more of the revelatory gifts bubble up a little bit inside of our congregation. There's some people in our congregation who've been operating in these gifts for a long time now, years, and have not felt that they were able to fully operate in those gifts, practice them freely, not because anyone told them they couldn't or not because they've been confronted, but just like if you don't see much expression in a service, right, you don't fully feel released to express those gifts on your own. And so it's just kind of like, I'm not, I just don't know if it's okay. And so what we want to do is open up the scriptures and intentionally see what God has to say about this area um, of, of, of uh, this topic of our spirituality. So we're going to focus very specifically on the supernatural gifts during these next few weeks, shed some light on them, help us to understand them better, which is obviously then the next question is why are we just focusing on the supernatural gifts? Well, because those are the ones who people typically consider controversial. Those are the ones that tend to cause more questions and ask, uh, you know, more questions about and want to know really what's going on. We have a lot of misunderstanding on them. Uh, and I kind of jokingly say this, nobody, nobody second guesses why do we need the gift of administration? Well, because nothing will get done without that gift, right? But it's a gift, encouragement, right? We know why we encourage. We teach every week. So apparently we have a good, strong understanding that we need to have the gift of teaching used in a regular, uh, you know, in somewhat of a regular rotation. And so what we wanted to do was to just kind of take this moment and say, let's talk about those gifts. But over the next couple of weeks, in between the sermons, you're going to see, if you catch it on the podcast via the audio or there's videos, um, that's on Spotify. I think it's on iTunes as well. But you can catch on YouTube. Um, or wherever we post our, our sermons, we're also going to post some intermediate um, little teachings in between that are usually like three to four minutes, maybe five, here and there, talking about some of the other gifts too so that we're not just leaving it all behind. This is how I want to start today. We actually have a quick little survey that I want you to take live right now, um, and it's going to happen uh, in this moment. So everyone take out your phones for me, grab them. Do we have a QR code that's going to pop up there? No. Well, then what I know that you don't know is that it's the same QR code that's sitting on the seat back in front of you. Go ahead and scan that, just like you do when you're out in the wild, going to restaurants and stuff. Use that and scan a little QR code. If you catch, I'm also tricking you into knowing exactly where the digital bulletin is right this moment. But there should be a URL link right at the top of that that deals with spiritual gifts. Is it there? Am I making it up? Is it real? No one's saying anything. Now I'm, now I'm worried. 
It's not there. Oh, bummer. This was a total failure on like two different levels, at least two different levels. <laughs> My miscommunication. Okay, well, I'm going to get this going. There should be a, a URL link at the top of that with a little survey that uh, goes to, I think, a survey monkey link. Well, I'll try to get that going here this week and uh, release that to you. But essentially, it asks a couple of questions because I wanted to know where we fit in the realm of the, the scope of possibilities of what you and I and we think about the gifts of the Spirit. And so what I'll do is release that to you. I want you to answer, it's anonymous, so I want you to answer as honestly as you can about what you think about the gifts, where you think you would stand on, on a little bit of a continuum in terms of uh, where you operate in these gifts, where you believe they are real, where maybe you, you honestly, if you're, if you're honest, you're like, I just don't believe this, this operates anymore. So I'll try to get that out as soon as we, as soon as we get a chance to, um, and now I'm gonna just kick this off here um, with the second part. And this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to give you kind of a, a scope to, to operate in. When I first came to church, I went to a very small, very Baptist church in a small town. They did not believe that the Holy Spirit acted through the gifts of the Spirit today. There's a term for this. It's called cessationism, meaning that they believe those gifts have ceased. As I continued to attend, this, for me, became difficult to deal with because I was reading the Bible. And, and I don't mean that like jokingly, like they said, read the book of John. So I start reading the book of John, and I see that there's miracles, and I see that there's supernatural events taking place. And I say, well, now that you've read about Jesus, you should probably read about the beginning of the church, so read Acts. Well, if you know anything about Acts, it literally starts out with supernatural events taking place on Pentecost. And so what happened is, as I'm reading these things, more so than exactly me saying, oh, I got that, is I had experienced similar things. So as I'm reading, I'm thinking in my head, oh, I'm tracking with that. I've, I've, I know what that's like. I've been there before. No, I've, I've had a vision like that before. I, that, I get that. Didn't even second guess it. Didn't even think twice about that. There were dreams and visions and divine appointments and, and, and direct encounters with demonic things that I had interacted with in my upbringing. In fact, these experiences were a large part of the reason I went to church because I realized I wasn't in control. And I needed Jesus to help me out with those things. So I go to church, they put the scriptures in front of me, and then they say, but that doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, man, I just, like, I get that I'm the young person. I get that I'm new to all of this stuff. I get all of that. But like, and you're an authority figure. You're supposed to have, you know, be the person to help me out with these things. But I just, like, as I'm reading, I'm resonating I've seen a foul spirit before. I have had a prophetic picture. I have been visited by an angel in a dream. And I'm telling you, it was terrifying. And the next moment, the next week, I got up and found a church because I had walked away for a bit. And so the fruitfulness was there. Like, that's exactly what God would want to do with a dream is get you back into church. And so as these things are happening, I'm seeing that there's good fruit accompanying it. In fact, I've been having these encounters well before I went to church. And the Bible was giving me the language and the framework. I could look back and be like, oh, that's what that was. That was Jesus telling me something. Oh, that, that's what that thing was that was not doing good. That was something influencing me towards darkness, towards evil things. And so I had this now, this new framework of that's what I call that. That's what this is. This is this gift. I just, I guess I have that. I didn't realize that I had that, but I do. And it was making sense and organizing my thoughts on the scriptures. So even though the spiritual authority figures in my life were saying that doesn't happen anymore, uh, at the time, I didn't realize that I could just disagree with them. There's different traditions out there. This is the only experience I had. And I just kind of thought to myself, 
I, I just don't know if I agree with him. Well, a few months later, my best friend briefly dates this girl whose father was a pastor at a Foursquare church. How many people know about Foursquare? All right. Now, now there's different, different um, versions of, of, you know, of different churches everywhere. If you go to any, we're, we're loosely connected to the ref, uh, restoration movement. And so as you, you go to a different church, you're going to find we're different. We're actually similar to, you know, the same, the church just down the street from us, Castleton. We're the same, but we are very different looking churches. But this Foursquare church in our small town was very, very, very charismatic. So this girl invites us. We show up on a Sunday morning, and it's my first experience of anything like this at all. Everything is very um, staunch, orderly at the church that I had been attending. This lady begins leading the music, and eventually she's speaking in tongues. I didn't know what that was, but that was fine kind of, I guess, for me at the moment. But then she just starts moaning. And then she's like very loudly moaning inside of this thing, so loud that I remember the microphone was overdriving, like when you have a, like a distortion pedal on a guitar. And she starts to eventually, the volume is increasing, and she begins eventually just screaming at the top of her lungs inside of this microphone. And everyone's kind of like rolling with it, but I'm incredibly uncomfortable at this point. And then my friend's girlfriend leans over to give me this word of encouragement. It's not as weird if you just join in. Not funny to you all? Because I've watched movies like that, and it doesn't end well for the visitor. <laughs> just like, just jump in, just start pretending right along with you. That was like the worst thing she could have said to me in that situation. Now, now I was very young in the faith. Maybe I could have made sense of it differently, but I remember at one point leaning over to my friend and saying, all right, man, like, I am leaving. I'm making a run for this door. If anyone stands in my way, I'm pushing them over. And we're jumping in the car and we're out of here. Now, now, it didn't come to that, luckily. It didn't come down to that situation. Everything started to calm down, almost like in this decrescendo moment. But I just remember thinking, like, man, I didn't know what to do. It planted this seed of doubt in me that, like, I just couldn't shake. That, that just didn't seem to fit well with my life. And, and so as a result of that, I feel like in that moment, I realized, like, I'm not this over here. I'm not cessationist. I'm, I'm also not that over there, whatever that was. I was somewhere in between, and I, I think in that space there, I even maybe still to this day, I'm, I'm not either side of this coin, I'm just kind of this in-between version of it, and I wonder if you have felt like the same thing. I think most of us, we want to take the Holy Spirit seriously, but we also want some ordered way in which it should happen. We wonder what kind of checks and balances can there be to have at our disposal? What tools has God given us? Whoa, is it here? No way. Do it real quick before it goes. Someone, that was Katie. You, did you find it? Did you get it next level? I made it. Woo. What'd you link it to? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Trust the spirit, she says. All right. Well, I've kind of moved on from this moment, but do it. Again, let me double back on this. Half of the joke here is now you all know where to go to the, get the digital bulletin. It's supposed to connect you to it, but this is the poll itself. Two questions. On a scale from one to ten, how often do you acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit with or around you? Very little being one or all the time being ten. Second question, as you consider the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, what would best describe your position? Nah, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. 
I am open but very cautious. I am completely neutral on this topic. I am seeking to know more but need proper boundaries. I am open to it all. Let's throw a Holy Ghost party up in here. Please take that survey, send it to me, and I'm going to take a look at it here later and and gauge us here. Well, well, as as I was saying, I think think we all tend to find ourselves in that in-between space. You want to see, I think all of us are like, nobody stands up at the beginning of this, at their walk with Jesus, at the beginning of a service and says, today I'm going to quench the Holy Spirit. That's, That's my goal today. No one walks in thinking that, right? So we want to see the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing through our church, but maybe you've seen some abuses of the Spirit. Maybe you've caught a Benny Hinn service, and then you realize later we find out that he was faking a lot of it. Maybe you've been in a slain in the Spirit situation, and you even went forward, and you realize they were really pushing people over. And you're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not budging, man. You can keep pushing on my forehead all you want. I'm going to stay standing. Maybe there's some disappointment. Maybe you prayed and prayed and asked God for a miracle with as much faith as you could possibly muster, and it didn't happen. And so this is what I want to do. I want to point this out. Anything that we teach on can be abused. Anything we teach on can be mishandled or a misstep, just an accident, right? And so what I want you to see is though, though those things happen, we abuse grace every single minute of every day, but we don't stop teaching it. We see really bad sermons sometimes, and we pull them off and say, hey, man, this was good, this was good, you need to work on this thing, let's reorganize some things, help yourself out on this, maybe read a book, right? But we don't say stop preaching. We help them reorient. We give them permission to make mistakes. And so this is what I want us to do. In, in other gifts, hospitality administrator, teacher, we don't give up. We practice. We make adjustments, and we get better and better and better. All of us want to see the power of the Holy Spirit, but I think sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. Maybe we're running from some things that we've seen as abuse or we didn't like. I just want to begin today by acknowledging today... Um, what we want to do is start a journey together. It's going to unfold over the next few weeks. It's just going to follow chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians in time. So two gifts a week. We're going to do two next week, two after that, two after that. Um, I have another series kind of set up for the summer, but if I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to continue this one, we'll just keep on going down through the summer and working our way through this. But I want to ask, is it possible even though we have not asked or tried or attempted to squelch, quench, or stop the Holy Spirit, is it possible maybe, maybe that we're, we've been lulled to sleep a little bit in our faith? That the muscle of faith can get weak if we don't exercise it. And then to bring us into the realization that who relies on the Holy Spirit if your first gut instinct is just to lean on your own understanding? Who relies on the Holy Spirit if your first thing is to be able to logically just figure it out? So I never have to even pray about this. I'll I'll just figure it out myself. Or if you operate in such a means of prosperity that you can just kind of buy your way out of any and every situation that's happening. In short, what I want us to hear is um, how, how do we make sense of the gifts of the Spirit? So this is the beginning of that journey. I want you to track along with us in the scriptures. I want you to check me to see if what I'm teaching is legitimate or not legitimate. I am inviting all of those things, but ultimately I'm also asking us to come to this with an open heart and open mind, ready to maybe be corrected by the scriptures if that's possible or if, if, if that happens. 
So if you've ever wondered this, I think this series is for you. How do we make sense of the gifts and the Holy Spirit? It's helpful to know that the first century church in Corinth had the exact same questions. In fact, they wrote Paul a letter, and Paul responds in 1 Corinthians to this question, and we get the benefit of being able to read it today. So I'm going to ask you, go ahead and turn um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read 1 through 7. I'm going to throw in 11 as well. I got a couple of accompaniment verses, but this is home base. 1 Corinthians 12, follow along as I read it. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when we were, you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Well, you can see it in the language, as I mentioned, Paul's addressing a topic that has clearly been asked him right? Now about the gifts of the Spirit. He wants the Corinthians to know kind of the parameters that this should operate. It's probably understood that, that in some ways they believe the Corinthians were overdoing something or uh, maybe they had uh, somewhat a disorderly service, possibly even equating spirituality and maturity to ecstatic manifestations. Only exercising more spectacular gifts kind of became the main thing. It was causing divisions inside of the Corinthian church. So this small section, just what we read, is actually the intro to a three-chapter long answer to this question. Let me give you just a rough kind of overview. Chapter 12 is going to convey the need for diversity, for a diversity of gifts within the unity of the body, puts an emphasis very specifically on the fact that all the gifts come from one and the same spirit. We're going to talk about that today. Chapter 13 stresses that without love, all the gifts are worthless. This one's pretty familiar. You know, if you've been to a wedding, love is patient, love is kind. And so this is the context. In, in dealing with gifts, you can have all the gifts, but if you don't have love, you're, it's worthless. It's, it's just clanging symbols. And then chapter 14 says it focuses on the two more controversial gifts, prophecy and tongues, giving more guidelines to those things for use so as to promote an orderly service. And we're going to come back to those. We're going to, when we get to those two gifts, we'll go into those scriptures and use them. So the first thing that we have to do before we go anywhere is now about the gifts of the what? The Spirit. We have to stop and talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Here is CGNE's statement of faith about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the present and active being and power of God that fills and comforts those obedient to Jesus Christ and empowers and guides God's people to live into the mission of the kingdom of God. I love the statement that we've made on this. Now, since this isn't a series on the Holy Spirit, I'm going to try and keep this little part succinct. We could go multiple years. People have written books and argued and debated and talked through what exactly, how do we make sense of the Holy Spirit. But I want to give it to you today just in a brief overview, two parts, the promise and the purpose, all right? Two kind of phases, the promise and the purpose. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is that um, he, he was being sent to us by Jesus. If you read chapter 14 of John, it gives a lot of detail about the Holy Spirit, but I want to give you just the, the shorter version. Luke 24, 46 through 49 says this. He told them, this is what is written. Pay attention to the language too. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed 
with power from on high. And then Luke ties it together in Acts 2, 32 through 33. On the day of Pentecost, as there's a celebration taking place in Jerusalem. It says this, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Do you catch it? He's even using the exact same language, wanting these two things to be equated, that there was a promise and a fulfillment of this promise. And so something new happens during this. The operation of the Holy Spirit changes, not the existence. We see the existence of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament, but this operation shifts a little bit, and the working changes so that the Holy Spirit who is given to us comes in the fulfillment of prophecy as it was promised. So he comes in a way that is very consistent with the Spirit's presence in the Old Testament. If you remember, God presents himself in areas and locations. Exodus 19, 18 says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. And now the Spirit, though, doesn't just dwell in a space, not in a specific location, not even in a building, a tent, a tabernacle, a temple. He's not just hovering around in the air like some kind of mist. How does the Holy Spirit come? Though, though he could do all of those things, by the way. I'm not saying he can't. This is just what happens. He descends on people, individuals. So remember Acts 2.1. I think this is just me. I don't think it's up there. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled. So the Spirit falls. I love the, the language used there. Poured out sometimes is used. Falls on everyone. So now our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he, he indwells, his presence comes and fills us with God's spirit. We're mobile temples scattered and empowered to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you see the connection? Even if you're Jewish in this situation, this day of Pentecost happens, tongues of fire land, and you're like, oh, I know that. Mount Sinai, I get that. I mean, pillar of smoke and fire. We got, we got a few situations when Abraham's covenant gets uh, cut and he walks through it. There's a, a smoking pot and a torch of fire. These are symbols that are well-worn in the Jewish faith. So when this happens, they would immediately be like, oh, this is the power of God descending on us. And so the renewed covenant is ushered in via the promise of the Holy Spirit, and it comes in a dramatic force. That's the promise. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is certainly multifaceted. We can't cover all of it today. I actually just picked a few. I'm going to throw them at you, and then we're going to focus in on a couple of them. So part of the purpose, not limited to, but part of, is to teach us. The Holy Spirit anoints us. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is renewing our minds. The Holy Spirit is convicting us and sanctifying us. The Holy Spirit helps in the process of salvation, saving us, enlightening us, and giving revelation. And for the purpose today, He gives gifts or graces. The word is charismata. Graces. That's the word we use for anointing sometimes. Grace. And He gives it to us for two communities the church, and for others. So he enables us to love better than we've ever loved before. That's why 13, verse thir or chapter 13 exists. 
We are able to love better than we've ever been able to love before. And then we're also able to be on mission in a different way, in a different capacity. So Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We've actually taught on this in a series called Movement. If you care to look back at it, you just watch as the mission of God expands out from Jerusalem with this catalytic moment that the Holy Spirit comes on and supernatural demonstrations, dreams, and visions begin to propel this message outward into new areas. Why? Why would those things be helpful in mission? Well, because if you have a, a breakdown in your logical system and something happens that you can't quite explain, it tends to do a little jarring in your system. And so if there's a barrier standing between you and God, for me, certainly a dream did it. Protection from something evil did it. It caused me to think, oh, I need to go I need to go find out what this is about. Where logical arguments and skepticism can stop people from going to know Jesus, demonstrations of the Holy Spirit, powerful demonstrations. This is what Paul says at the beginning of Corinthians, this very same book. He says, I didn't come with you with eloquent speech. I came to you with demonstrations of power. Because anyone can be a good orator. I could talk you into things if I'm really good at that. But not everyone can perform a miracle or a healing. And so these demonstrations of power became the breakway that caused barriers to come down. And people say, okay, we need to know what's going on. Starting with the instant the Holy Spirit hits and people from around the world are in Jerusalem hearing the gospel in their own language. Like, wait, you're not, you're not from my area. How do you, how do you know my... My language, my di- how do you know this dialect? That doesn't make any sense. Where, where did you get this from? Well, I, I, don't, I don't have an answer other than the Holy Spirit. One important thing, I didn't realize that there, there was a, a small debate happening with the worship team before um, I, I got out here, uh, but that last phrase that we sang in the new song that we did, Caleb and um, Sana, well done too, by the way, it's just beautiful leading this morning. We believe that the Holy Spirit indwells those who have saving faith in Jesus at the point of salvation. Renewed in our minds, and that animates our imaginations, right? Then you start thinking differently about the pictures in your mind. I think that's part of this. And you start thinking differently as a person who is sanctified and, and moving towards God and learning more. But there does seem to be times, right? Can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? So if we're already filled, can we be filled? That's the question. And I do think there are moments when the Holy Spirit does fill, pour out etc. However phrase you want to add to that, in extra measure to accomplish certain tasks. So there are moments when maybe you just operate briefly in some sort of gift because it was something that God needed to happen in that moment at that time. And so I, I got one story, maybe this is, not, um, this is a hypothetical, maybe you got one story where you healed someone, then you tried it again, it was like, nah, it's not happening this time. But that needed to happen in that moment. So there's moments where we see the filling or the pouring out in extra measure to accomplish a task or an assignment. In the text that we read today, what we see is first that the Holy Spirit is living and active in our lives, and he compares it, unlike the idols that the Corinthians used to worship before they knew Jesus. So as opposed to something dead or mute, this is alive and speaking to us. Do you see that? The second thing here is that there will be this Holy Spirit consistency for those being led by him. So they will never curse God, and likewise, they cannot profess God is Lord without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So we see consistency taking place in the person of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's all I got for the Holy Spirit today. You all got to figure it out? (laughs) That's all for now. We'll, We'll definitely come back to this, but for our purposes today, 
I just wanted us to have this kind of brief overview of the, the, uh, uh, the promise and then hear the purpose. Let's continue reading verse 4 and see what we learn. Verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, again, charismata, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are what? Different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the what? Same God at work. And now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That phrase is important, so hold on to it. Then it lists multiple gifts. So I'm going to skip those for today. We're going to come back to them two at a time over the next few weeks, like I said. Then to verse 11. I don't know if it's up there, but I'm going to read it to you. Verse 11 kind of end caps the thought. All these are at the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. All right, so Paul continues to teach on the gifts of the Spirit. He's setting straight just by, by at the very front, establishing um, that there is this idea that there is a diversity of gifts, not divisions based on gifts. That there's a diversity of gifts, not a hierarchy of gifts. And so no matter how diverse, how different, the same Holy Spirit was involved in an outworking from you to you to you to me to you. So there's this sameness that kind of continues, creates a continuity between them. There is, no matter how diverse we get, no matter how different a gift is from me to you or anyone else, there is no hierarchy attached to the gifts, and the Holy Spirit just seems to distribute them as he wills. Not because even necessary, I think, I think there's some attachment to maturity, I think there's some attachment to feeling, but sometimes I just think God wanted something to happen in that moment, and he makes it happen. The gifts are meant to increase, so here's the purpose of the gifts. So I gave you purpose of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to use our pillars. Increase our devotion to God, that upward relationship with God. Increase our edification and unification as a body of believers, that's community. And then increase our missional capacity by breaking down barriers. Now, I've got a couple of stories in there, but I don't think we have time for them today. I'm going to go ahead and skip them. They'll come out over the next few weeks. But in the verses, again, Paul brings out this idea of demonstrations of power. And I want to show you real quick a few different positions that we could take on these, um, on these gifts. So you see at the top there, I mentioned this first one, cessationism. And then two, functional cessationism. Three, open but cautious. Four, curious without practicing. Five, pursuing and practicing. Six, practicing without boundaries. Seven, do you all like that word? Charismaniac. Affectionately, of course. Let me give a couple of definitions for these. So cessationism is what I operated in that first time I came to church. Believe in the gifts of the Spirit were a season. All right, this is a doctrine. They hold a place for a doctrine. It's not just accidental, but that they believe that the gifts had a season, but at the end of the apostolic age, meaning when the last apostle died or when the canon of Scripture, there's a couple of different points that they'll um, point to or, or uh, points in history that they will use for that. Um, and, and they believe that they ceased, that they were intentionally ceased. And there's some scriptures that you want to look at to see what that is. I just don't think that that's the operation that was happening inside of that. Functional cessation means you don't agree, you know, theologically with cessationism, but you operate as if they have ceased by giving no credence or emphasis to the gifts. Open but cautious. You believe the gifts are active, concerned about the abuses, maybe even a little fearful that things could just get a little too weird. Anyone else been there? The gifts might be there, but they are by and large the exception, not the rule. 
Then further down, curious without practicing. You're interested enough to learn. I want to know more, but it's theoretical, and I'm not going to actually attempt or operate to practice intentionally. Usually, I think the, the hindrance there is embarrassment. Pursuing but practicing. You believe in the gifts. You're actively pursuing more understanding, and you're practicing them but desire clear boundaries. Practicing without boundaries. This is where we start to kind of cross into something else. We're seeking after the gifts. Do not care to know or apply any kind of spiritual guideline for them. And then charismaniac, openly abandoned to the gifts. No checks and balances. You regularly spiritualize everything you say or do. You rejoice in the power over God. Remember, God gives them the power to cast out demons and heal people. They're excited about that. And then Jesus says to them, don't, don't rejoice over that. Rejoice that your, that your name was written in the book of life. Salvation is a greater miracle than the things you've been doing, right? So you get overwhelmed by the power and you want more of that. You believe, here's, here's a very specific, um, uh, what, what kind of puts you in this world. You believe that people are not saved unless they display the manifestation gifts, all right? So, so the question is, where are we going to teach from as we start this? And, and so here, here, I read my statement of faith, you know, our, our, our statement of faith at, at Common Ground. So we already affirm the operation of these gifts. So that kind of gives you a little bit of indication. But if you notice, I want you to see that the very top of this and the very bottom, the cessationism and the charismaniac version, um, is, 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 they are exclusionary by definition. If you don't believe what I believe, everyone else is wrong. Do you see how that's there? If you don't believe they've ceased, then, you've, then you're wrong. If you don't believe that, that uh, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're actually not saved. So, so if you don't agree with me, then you're wrong. And so what I want to do is just kind of chop off those two ends for our sake, all right? Not because I want to exclude them, but because by definition, they are exclusionary themselves, which could lead you to believe, all right, perfect. We're just going to hang out in this comfortable middle ground, right? No. I can't let us do that. If you, if you remember, take into consideration our context, the context that we live in. We live in a modernist society. Post-enlightenment scientific method is baked into us. It is enthroned on our lives. Uh, you did not hear me say science is not real, so save me that email, please. I believe science is real. But it is not the king of everything I do and make decisions. In fact, science knows its own limitations. You can't go into a court of law and bring scientific facts because a moment in history is not observable, repeatable, and measurable. It happened. You call them witnesses. It's a totally different art form. Do you see? It has its limitations. But this is what I think ends up happening. I'm borrowing this um, from a guy. I can't remember his first name. Something Miller wrote a book called A Praying Life. And that's what he was actually describing. He said, what we end up doing is operating in our day-to-day that the material is the stuff that matters here and now right in front of us. And so what ends up happening is we have a kitchen in this lower part of the house. And and I know I have to eat. My body's going to remind me of it. And I'm going to make food. I'm going to physically pull the food out, cook it. I'm going to go hang out and sit down on this couch. And I know it's going to hold me because I've done it before, right? But then there's this other set of things that we all acknowledge that we believe is real, but we don't talk about. And what he says is we put those things up in our attic, right? Like, I know they're up there. And so what he says is the material, physical world is that bottom part of the house. But up in your attic are things like faith and prayer and beauty, right? There's faith up there. There's facts down here. And somehow we separate those things and we don't let them interact together. Do you feel yourself doing that in your day-to-day? And so this falls into that thing that goes up in the attic 
And I think it's time to pull open that attic door, grab those things down, and start to interact with them. And so when we come to this, I believe our expectations tend to be pretty low that the Holy Spirit. Now, don't go back in and change your answers in the survey. We usually operate that we don't think that stuff's going to happen. Maybe it'll happen every once in a while. In fact, Barna says this. Um, is a, a poll person uh, out there if you're not familiar with Barna. Nearly 60% of Americans who regularly, all right, hear that regularly, attend Christian churches say there is no such thing as the Holy Spirit. They say the Holy Spirit is just a symbol of God's power or presence or purity. I went to a church where they jokingly had this phrase and they would kind of, it was, it was tongue in cheek, but it kind of spoke in the reality of it. We believe in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. So, so where's, where is the Spirit then? And we believe that the Bible is a high importance. Both the Old and New Testament are inspired by God, divine authority for all Christian faith and life. That's our statement as well on the scriptures. Everything we do in regards to the gift should be filtered through the word of God, which is why we're starting out this way. Nobody gets to have the final authority. Nobody gets to come to you and say, thus saith the Lord, and have the final authority in that. That's for you to go and discern that on your end. Sometimes we act like this single-winged plane, right? Do you want the spirit or do you want truth? Well, a plane doesn't fly without both of them. And so what we want to do is to set a temperature moving forward that God will allow us to move with both the Spirit and truth today, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so there's something missing if we are not actively pursuing the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Let me, let me close it up with just a couple of thoughts and, and we'll be done. So where will I teach from? Well, I'm going to gently, sometimes maybe not so gently, push, urge, prod firmly here and there that you would be a little bit further down than at the top of that continuum that we posted. I think we should be in the scale somewhere about pursuing and practicing. We want boundaries prescribed by the scriptures, but I think we're starting probably at functional cessationism. Open but cautious probably, which is sometimes just a term we say when we're actually just functionally cessationist. But I think if I can get you to four, if I can get you to five, and, and these are, I made these up. I don't know where exactly this continuum. You know, there's maybe other ones that you could think of and see in there. But we definitely want boundaries as prescribed by the scriptures. We do not want to quench the Holy Spirit at Common Ground Northeast. And so I want us to move into the intentional practice of these things. I have been operating and praying that God would pour out his spirit in a fresh new way here at Common Ground Northeast. You can join me in that prayer. I encourage you to do so. For this reason, we have been hosting the Encountering or Engaging God Nights. The hope is that we practice there and that would pour out into these areas. That's the, the part of the reason. It's a place for you to practice the gifts together and maybe be wrong, but have a place to, you know, I think God's giving me a picture or maybe a vision, a word for you, something like that. We want to create areas where learning is possible, but doesn't have the weight of the pulpit behind it in order to cause issues. And so I operate in some of these gifts pretty freely at CG&E. Um, I, I, many of you have, have, I write them down usually, and I'll hand it to you. I had a word from God or a picture from God for you. Dreams, I will often kind of pray around and use the, the um, seats as like a little labyrinth prayer thing, if you've ever done one of those prayer labyrinths. And if I see something or hear something around the area that you tend to sit, I stop and I write it down in this crazy little book of prophecies, all right? And sometimes I just sit on it, man. And then sometimes I hand it to you and I say this this is something I think I heard. Take it 
Pray over it. Discern it. Ask whoever you need to. If it aligns with the Holy Spirit, if it aligns with the Scriptures, then it's at least encouragement. Maybe it's not supernatural. Maybe I just had an encouraging word for you today. But it might be something from the Holy Spirit that you need to know here and now. And I think there's others here in our congregation that have the same gifting. Can I be wrong? Yeah. Always with an open hand. But I didn't use this gift for a long time because I had to shed the chains of cessationism. Is this really okay? I mean, I'm reading about it, but I'm not sure because that voice was super strong in my head. I didn't use the gifts because I had to shed the chains of fear of what men might think of me, that I might say something and I just think I'm weird or wacky or irresponsible even. And then I hid the gift for years because it was deemed inappropriate in a church context I led, and eventually I was just done with all of that. I'm not doing that anymore. So I don't encounter any hindrance here, but I want to start to shake the, 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 the tastiness, the saltiness of God through the power of the Holy Spirit here inside of our congregation. I think our position is likely that functional cessationism, and so it's time to move down. So here's my ask of you today. Don't take your discernment hat off, but understand that we are a people of faith. We don't get to just live in the bottom part and throw everything else abstract and weird up into the attic and not touch it. The Holy Spirit's not going to stay up there, I promise you. And it's not always going to make sense with your material, rational sensibilities. But be honest with where you're at. Ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to me, have I quenched you at times? And can you help me to stop? Search my heart, O Lord. And have I lowered my expectations too low? Or can I come in every Sunday with the expectation the Holy Spirit is going to do something today? Not maybe, but it's going to happen. So like I'm on the lookout for it. Where is it happening? Where am I going to see it happen today? When's it going to take place at some point inside of the service? And I think it happens and maybe we miss it, but we want to raise our expectation for what the Holy Spirit might do. And so here's my ask. Would you begin praying the dangerous prayer of more God? More. We want more of you. We want more of your spirit. But then I'm telling you, if we ask the prayer, hold on. Strap your seatbelt on, whatever it's going to take for you to be able to keep yourself together because if he says yes, it's going to get wild. It happens. Uncomfortable. If we start to fly with both wings, I'm telling you, truth and spirit, you start to see healings and miracles. Your faith won't be boring anymore. You're going to be excited to show up to Sunday mornings because you never know what could happen. You're going to eagerly anticipate the next time you can come around a body of believers because the Holy Spirit might be doing something in the midst. I believe that we will see a shift in our increase of fruitfulness if we begin praying this prayer because our church will be operating with the winds of the Spirit, the power of God, propelling us forward towards the realization of God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. You going to do it? You going to pray with me? Let's do it. So, Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the gift of the Spirit. We thank you so much for the gifts that the Spirit disseminates to believers. And, God, we want to come with an open heart and open mind, Lord, that you could and would do something exceptional, supernatural today like we saw and like we read about in the book of Acts. God, check us. Give us boundaries. Ultimately, we want to do two things, love each other, love you, sorry, three things, love you, love each other, and love the world better. 
And for some of us, it takes a dream or a manifestation or a healing to jump that hurdle of faith. And so God, release whatever you want to release in this place, dreams, visions, tongues. Father, as we learn about these things, give us the ability to think of them rightly in the context that you have given us through Corinthians. Thank you for the church for asking this question. Thank you that you had Paul answer it. And thank you that we can open up our scriptures today and learn more about them. We ask for all of these things, God, more of you, more, Lord, more. We ask for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.